Welcome to the Jam Yearbook. I'm Jim. And I'm Matt. We're here to take you on a journey through the years as we explore the music in our lifetime and the impact it's had on us and the world we've lived in. Welcome to version 2020, the lockdown episode. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> no, 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 no. But let's hope the listeners can lock in for the next 15 minutes or so while we talk about what was uh, one of the more unique years in our lifetimes. Yeah, and while we know it was a tough year for people and there were huge losses in the world, like every show, we've got to start this week off with those who passed away and had big influences on our lives. It's a tough list this week, full of absolute legends. We love and respect these artists so much. So let's give them a song on the playlist this week. You down with that? I am. This is a super group. So yeah, it is. <laughs> let's why, get it why, don't, why don't you get us started? Let's get it going. I'll get us going with Bill Withers. He wrote some of the songs that are considered uh, some of the most important in history. His passing mm -hmm. may have been overlooked a little bit because of the times with the lockdown and everything and some of the other people that you'll you'll hear coming up. But the music world would not be complete without songs like Lean On Me, Use Me, Lovely Day, or a favorite of mine, Ain't, Ain't No Sunshine. All from a man who didn't start writing music until he was in his 30s. Wow. Yeah. So what's your song? My song I'm going to add from Bill Withers is, of course, Lean On Me. Yeah, what a great song. So next, I'll talk about Neil Peart, the drums. <laughs> when, when people listen to Rush for the first time, the reaction almost always is the drums. Neil Peart was one of the most influential drummers of all time. I have plenty of musician friends who don't even care for Rush, but wouldn't say a bad thing about Neil Peart. Even among names like Bonham and Moon, the drum fills from Tom Sawyer arguably are the most iconic of all time. His timing was impeccable and his creativity behind every song made it difficult to even know what he was going to do next. He was also the lyricist for the band. You can love him or hate him or blame him for the abstract lyrics <laughs> Getty Lee was singing. Yeah. Yeah. Rush had stopped touring when Neil didn't have the physical ability to maintain the level of perfection that he measured himself by. I think that's, you know, quite respectful. Mm. I'm not the biggest of Rush fans, but I wish I gotten to see them at least once. I would have known I was in the presence of an absolute legend. And the song that I'm going to pick and put on the playlist this week for Neil Peart is Closer to the Heart. Good one. And then from there, we'll bring up Kenny Rogers. How could either of us take the right <laughs> away from the other one to have something to say about Kenny Rogers and how we feel about him? We can just have a sing along if you want. Oh, that would be that would be a one long ass but awesome <laughs> medley. That yeah, would be would. fun. You know, and it's too bad that in the later years of his life, people seem to be more intent on talking about his appearance and the plastic surgery and instead of how important his music was or how many hits he had. He had yeah. years of success where it seemed like everything he touched, it was gold. And it was worth being called gold. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. And the song we're going to add from Kenny is Ruby, Don't Take Your Love to Town. Uh, what a great song. After that, we had Little Richard. Here is someone who was larger than life. It's quite possible that he deserves the moniker over anyone as the king of rock and roll. Because Elvis, James Brown... And most of the well-known performers from the 50s and 60s were undeniably influenced by Little Richard. He was an extremely unique individual, and he had a charisma that was not matched by anyone else. 
He could also be credited with being the true creator of the rock and roll performance. I think the, I think the word flair is what best describes Little Richard. And the song I'm going to pick from Little Richard is Long Tall Sally, The Thing. Cool, cool, cool. And I'll wrap it up with Eddie Van Halen. The first person, probably a lot of people in our generation recognized as their first guitar god. Yeah, he set a new bar that every guitarist would be judged against. I would include Randy Rhodes in there too, but right now we're recognizing Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> I'm not going to say he invented this or that technique, but he popularized and revolutionized tapping and using the whammy bar during his solos mm-hmm. with the dive bombs and the sliding of the notes. I'll always remember that huge smile he had on his face while he was playing. It emanated from his guitar too. His solos mm-hmm. were absolute fireworks. On their latest album, Return of the Dream Canteen, Red Hot Chili Peppers had a tribute song called Eddie. And John Frusciante, he does his best Eddie impersonation in his solo with all of those tricks. Yeah, it's great. And the song I'm going to include is not Eruption. It is going to be Spanish Fly. Great choice. Great choice. All right. So RIP to many of our legends in 2020. Matt, before we dive in, what were your early expectations for the music we we're about to talk about? Uh, initially, it was hesitation. I mean, we're kind of in this pattern, right? You know, get ready for a new year. Take a deep breath. Wonder what we've gotten ourselves into. <laughs> Many times we realize our initial thoughts are completely wrong. I did some thinking before listening this week. So I didn't have just that surface reaction. I kind of wanted to give the music its own space i didn't want to come down as a downer on it mm-hmm. because 2020 it's a year where we're probably not familiar with a lot of the music mm-hmm. good well when we arrived at version 2019 i brought this theory to the show that there'd been a new curve in music and that for the first time in years there was an abundance of good music that was being released I was making it comparable to the boom of the 60s, 80s, and early 90s. And while I don't think it's quite the same as there's a new sound that was breaking through, I started using this phrase, old is new. I noticed that a lot of young bands and songwriters were borrowing from those earlier decades without really sounding like they were completely ripping off those scenes. The inspiration is coming from beyond sounding less like copycats and more authentic. Yeah, old is new has been our theme in you know the late 2010s and and now. Um, everything, every time we suggested something, there's always a descriptor. Oh, this sounds like so and so or 19, whatever. And you're right, it doesn't sound like a rip at all. It comes off as an honest influence. Mm-hmm. S- sometimes different influences are on the same album. They take you on a journey through different eras. And all the nods, they're quick it doesn't sound like that purposeful wink and a nod, like, Hey, how are you from the 1970s? (laughs) Uh, Because when you grow up liking and listening to a lot of one artist, you tend to take on that semblance, you know, how many times have you been on a road trip songs come on the radio or your mixtape or whatever, and you find yourself imitating the voice that you hear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. At 2020, there were a lot of familiar faces that returned with new material. I don't know if this was just, a coincidental with lockdown taking place because I do think some older bands got together and some people created music online together who maybe hadn't talked to each other for years. 
but we had albums from Crowded House, Perry Farrell, bands like Semisonic and Not a Surf, both released albums that sounded well matured from their earlier days. I think there was a resurgence of nostalgia during lockdown. People were home and, and taking time to reflect more on the past, reconnecting with their old friends and families. We're spending more time together. But before diving into the new stuff, there were two albums from bands we loved from back in the day, and I want to talk about them quickly. The first one was the Pearl Jam release, Gigaton. It, this was, in my opinion, a brief return to the mid-early 90s form. Dance of the Clairvoyance sounded like it comes from verses with a kind of a talking heads feel. Eddie Vedder's always admired the talking heads and definitely has influences with the rhythm and vocal structure in this song. And then there's the song Super Blood Wolf Moon. This sounds like a missing song from Vitology. It rocks. It has a raw feel. The guitar solo, it just smokes. It kind of sounds like it comes in reverse when it starts. It's just really cool and unique sounding. Once you get beyond them, it kind of slips back into what we've been getting from them for the past 20 years, which isn't to say it's bad, but the resurgence of youth in the earlier tracks kind of makes the album for me. It was a letdown about halfway through. Those two songs, though, they brought me back to my 20s, and I thought they were really good. All honesty here, this was the first time I listened to Gigaton this week. I fell out of love with what they were doing after I heard Yield, but recently we've been able to kind of reconnect with that album and mm-hmm. find some hidden gems on there. Gigaton makes me want to dive back into what I've not listened to. I, I never realized how much Matt Cameron adds to the band. His yeah. drumming really it sets everything apart. Um, and first reaction to Gigaton, yeah, it's it's spot on with what you said with those first two tracks. But it doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy it. It, w- it was a really good album. And it's maybe because I don't have the familiarity with Binaural in that era of Pearl Jam that I was able to kind of enjoy it. But as a whole, the album doesn't really flow that well. Because if you look at the, the songwriting credits, you can see and hear when somebody new wrote the music. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't allow for a really good flow from song to song. Okay. Well, then there's another band that you and I both absolutely love. And that was Huey Lewis and the News. And they put out an album called Weather. The glory days, we have to admit, they're far behind them. But I was curious when I saw it, when I was getting ready for the show this week, and I gave it a listen. And it wasn't unfamiliar. It didn't break any new ground or bring that excitement of my inner, you know, 12 to 14 year old back. I, I just have to give this a mention because it's probably their final album. Huey's had uh, recent issues with hearing loss. And because of this, they were planning an album and a comeback, but it wasn't to be. So these songs were all recorded by 2018. There were seven on the album. They decided to release it as is. So I just want to take a moment on the show. <laughs> We've added some songs from Huey Listen in the News, and we know there's probably more to come. So I just want to say thank you to them. Huey Lewis in the news, you made my childhood and my young teen experience better. Yeah, this is definitely an album worth checking out. Um, It kind of, it kind of makes up for some of the sound challenges I had with, you know, post sports stuff for them. You know, it is short because of the hearing issues he had, but our generation, we have this deep love for Huey Lewis in the news and whether it was, It was like catching up with old friends. Yeah, it was. There was a familiarity that was really nice with it. All right. So let's get into the main reason why we're here today. 
we've both experienced some epiphanies doing this show. And you, Matt, you actually hit me hard this week. We were chatting back and forth and talking about music from this time period in 2020 and why I liked it. In 2020, I was posting a song a day on Facebook and Monday was new music Monday. Go figure. I'm so original. <laughs> so I'd spend the weekend sifting through as much new music as I could to find that one song. I really couldn't wait to share. I couldn't just post a new song by the snuts every week, even if that's what I really wanted to do. <laughs> But I started to find all this great new rock that really sounded like a lot of what I loved in the 90s. As we just talked about, they had that familiar sound that I love without ripping off other bands. And we started using this phrase over the past couple of months, old is new. And I really heard this shining through a lot of what I was going through. I can't really explain why I love this new raw indie rock so much. Well, it's because you could do this kind of music. It's very relatable. All this yeah. kind of instrumentation and the songwriting, it was something you could envision yourself in a garage or a basement or your bedroom writing. Yeah, that that's probably it. I had so much fun in a small room with noisy rock that listening to the music from these bands really brought me back to a beautiful nostalgia. I think growing up with that dream myself I really love watching young, talented musicians pursue it. It's more exciting to me to see decent, unknown bands in small venues than big bands and arenas. Yeah, and to a degree, we haven't completely figured it out, but I think we're you know at least 90% there. There are still going to be songs from groups that you might uh, accept, but you'll know it within the first few seconds. No, or, or yeah, oh yeah, that's really good. And I'm just like you, man. I spent so much time growing up in my room, practicing and dreaming about that kind of stuff as well. <laughs> Do you think, though, that maybe it's part of your turn away from that kind of music was in a way protecting yourself from a reminder of what you love doing with Cinderblock, baby? I, I don't think so. I, I, and I understand why you ask that. I think because I moved to Burlington, Vermont, it was difficult to find bands like this. That area, you know it, living there, it's a jam band scene. When I was there, I did pop up a little record label for a couple of years, and I helped produce some bands, Evil Hero. They're a great kind of indie pop rock, and a UVM band called Abraham Backfer, which really kind of reminded me of Fugazi. I had fun watching these guys. I had a lot of friends in local indie bands, but I'll be honest, and it's not an insult to any of them. I don't think they were writing songs or hooks that really captivated me. Also, when I've dug into the music of the past 25 years, just doing this show, I'm not finding bands that have excited me as much as they've had in the past five years of doing that research. But here's the thing. I think you've helped me actually get a little better understanding of my musical identity this week. So I, I've got more in my five but I can't walk away from the show without mentioning these bands. I found like Seagirls, Beach Bunny, Spires, Biba Doobie. I've talked about before her 2020 album got away from acoustics and was more electric guitar driven 90 slacker rock. I like that label. <laughs> that makes sense to me. And there's this guy, Oscar Lang, who's cool and up and coming. He's a solo artist and he's writing cool, original rock songs. I sent you a video of Spire this week. And they fall right into that old is new thing. Oh, definitely. It's very, very 90s. I, at first, I kind of got Veruca Salt 
vibes from them, but it's it's definitely it's got more polish. They kind of borrow from a little bit of cranberries, but and you know, an early 2000s kind of pop rock. I even hear go-go's with them when it yeah, comes a little to bit. The crafting, yeah, of that. Yeah, and I love that guitar rock. Those two young women got guitars for Christmas and when they were about 12 or 13 years old. And they've been best friends all through childhood. Just last week, they sold out St. Luke's in Glasgow. This venue is probably, you know, bigger. I would maybe even say twice the size of the higher ground ballroom in Burlington, where where we're from. And we see good sized touring bands come through there. Maybe seeing a band achieve success like this does draw me back to my Cinderblock baby days because I can live vicariously through them when I go watch them play. I'm watching young people go out there, write great music and be successful. Just this past year, I saw them here in Aberdeen in a small bar. They were actually just fulfilling a gig they booked before lockdown that they had to come back and play. And it was cool to see them in just a tiny venue, knowing that the next one, there were going to be, you know, a couple of thousand people there watching them play. I love knowing that they're just continuing to chase that dream and they have the ability to continue to rise. And I think that's what sets new bands like that apart from older bands that just, you can kind of get the sense that they're phoning it in. Yeah. Where these new bands, they still have that energy and that love. Yeah. For, they've got drive. Wanting to if, achieve that success. Yeah. They're, they're driven. Yeah. It's good to see. So in one of the bands that's, one of the bands that stuck out to me in this way was the Lemon Twigs. Mm-hmm. This this doesn't belong in the 2020s. From every every sound, not just the songs, but how it was recorded. This is the 70s all the way. It's part Bowie, Alice Cooper, a little bit of Bay City Rollers kind of mm-hmm. pop rock. Uh, Live in Favor of Tomorrow reminded me of I Only Want to Be With You from the Bay City Rollers. That's where I'm kind of getting that. I got that. And then the chats, this is old school seventies punk, the mm-hmm. energy, the sound, the growl, and their songs are so catchy. The chats, they're nothing like the pop punk that's all over the place right now. So don't think of green day or machine gun Kelly, whatever the hell that is. Get that right out of your head. This is not the chats. <laughs> this is right down to two minute long songs. And something once again, boring from the past but it doesn't sound stale. Not at all. I don't all. know why. I think 20 years ago, if bands had done this, it would have sounded stale, but it doesn't now. And let's face it. You found the biggest of the golden nuggets this week. You're, you're talking about pottery, right? That, that band, I really, well, I mean, again, here we go. Talking heads vibes. Oh, absolutely. I, I really loved it. The, the drums, the percussion, the, the group vocals, everything going on, they fall right into that old is new conversation that we're having. Of course. And there are so many influences I hear on this album. They're not rips. They're just honest influences. When you recommended it to me, I couldn't stop listening. I put it on on my way home from work and I came into the house, headphones on, never took the headphones off. Just kept doing what I was doing, coming home from work and continued listening to it until the album finished. It's going to go right into my daily listening. So they're from Montreal and you should keep an eye out for them if they ever come to play anywhere nearby. Oh, I already checked. There's nothing. And I don't even see a new album coming out. I really hope they're working on a new one. We've made quite a few recommendations from week to week, but this album, Welcome to Bobby's Motel, 
it's at the top of my list for new bands. That's great. And then also in 2020, I, I found some funk, soul, and hip-hop throwbacks with artists like The Allergies. I've mentioned them in previous episodes. I'm a big fan. There's a band called MF Robots. They've got a song called Mother Funkin' Robots that's just, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but go listen to it. It's fun. <laughs> and uh, Peachtree Rascals is just a, another cool R&B kind of funk band. And I'll throw Volpec in here too for funk. Three on E and Test Drive, they were they were some big highlights for me. And thanks to my kids, I had plenty of rap and hip hop to listen to, but it was much more with the times than Peachtree Rascals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kid Cudi's Man on the Moon 3, it's really chilled out. It's not my favorite record of his, but mm -hmm. I've liked enough of his stuff and I really find his voice endearing where I'll, I'll listen to it. I'll give stuff a chance from him. Yeah. I'll go check that out. You know, I, I take any recommendation from Kid Cudi. And there was also this, this cool eighties, like retro band called the ghost club. Then they had this song called same graves that I discovered. They'd posted a music video on Reddit and they were just kind of looking for opinions. What do you think of my video? I, I don't really know how big they are. They probably haven't charted or, they might be a small town band for all I know, Yeah, but it immediately became a song that went into my daily shuffle. It just, I loved that throwback sound. Yeah, it was a really good one, but I don't think they could compare to the most 80 things I found, which was Moleshot Doma. I, I swear they built a time machine, went back to the 80s to record this record. I don't think that's an exaggeration either. Even the production sound is straight early 80s. And it, I don't know, I kind of was maybe put me in the mode of just can't get enough era Depeche mode, but even just a little bit more lo-fi. When I, you sent it to me, I said it sounded like a 80s soundtrack to a boy and his robot girlfriend or something. Yeah. Like yeah. That. And you said this might be a little too 80s. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was, it, it's good though. Yeah. Oh but yeah. You, it's good, but it, it it's deep. It is. But here's the thing. My guess is that anybody who's listening to the show right now, especially if they're our age, they're like, who, who, yeah. <laughs> who is this? <laughs> yeah. But my point is, is that most older people say there isn't anything good anymore. And they're expecting to find music from the radio and the charts. They forget that when we were young, you had to go look for this. It takes work to find good music. You can't look at the charts to see the shift that I'm talking about. There's so many charts and it seems like definitely the one that gets all the publicity is pop. Yeah. Right. The hot 100 it's dominated by pop. You're exactly right. What you just said, older people like us only see the charts. When I look back to 1992 in my mind, Pearl Jam and Nirvana were the biggest bands in the world. But then you look at the charts and Boys to Men and Crisscross had the biggest hits. Yeah. We know that there was a lot of great music coming out then, but Color Me Bad was scoring higher charting hits than most of anything we were listening to at that time. And it's that exact thing that leads to me having a disconnect with saying, holy sh Color Me Bad was out at the same time as Pearl Jam. Yeah. <laughs> because the, the sounds couldn't be more different and you know, one couldn't be further away from what I was listening to, mm -hmm. but really who are the charts for what age? I think they are a relic. 
has pop music really just now turned into being the Instagram crowd beyond just being popular music. It fits in a frame for people who like endless selfies and uh, present very superficial lives on social media. That, that song chase lounge, which we weren't huge fans of just won Grammys and Brit awards over here. I have friends who liked Katy Perry or Pink or Beyonce that, you know, they like Maroon 5, great pop music in its own sense 10 years ago. But even they think that this music that's coming out now is shit. Yes, it's like fast food. It's quick, but it's not so easy to digest. (laughs) You know, you only need to hear a small part to know the entire song. You swipe left over and over and over. It's perfect for short attention spans of and people to just live in the now. It's all about the TikTok crowd, Instagram, You're right. Snapchat. It's all about this quick immediacy. You're right. If you can do a 30 second TikTok dance to it, you've won. Right. And you know, you yeah. just, you give it the right push and being yep. told over and over, this is where influencers probably have an effect as well. You know, the, the hype machine, it can build up that, that FOMO, that fear of missing out. It feels a little like it may be, I don't know for sure. This is kind of thinking out loud that maybe the record labels have so much money tied up into legacy artists that they don't want to shift the sound too far away or bring along too many new artists. Um, And I, I was mulling this over a lot this week and I was kind of working on a narrative that maybe it's less that this music isn't made for our generation but maybe it's more that it's not made by our generation, people that have different influences, but Max Martin blows that up a little bit. But I don't think he's involved as much anymore. And I think it's time for us now to separate his influence over the two thousands through maybe 2018, because keep in mind in pop music years, anything five years behind us is old. Once it's past the next generation, So if you're 18 right now, the music you heard on the radio when you were 13, that's old. True, true. Yeah, you're right. I forget what year we're in and how long ago his peak was. Or how old Um, we are. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. But, But now we're living with all the producers that he taught and influenced pop. It's like that stick of gum you got with baseball cards. It doesn't last long. And later on, you wonder how good it was to begin with. We have seen plenty of pop figures not able to stop chasing relevance either. It may grow into an addiction for the spotlight. It's no different from an athlete who doesn't want to retire. That's all they know. That's all they want to do. And changing with the time should be expected for everyone, whether you're an artist or not. If you can't be open to change based on experiences, then you lose vitality. Mm-hmm. I, I also think you know it does come down to a big part of being the promotional machine that's out oh, without there, the industry. Max Martin, you know, he's hired by artists who have already been successful because they can afford him. And so I think this probably perpetuated their careers. If they were writing their own music, that never would have happened. Max Martin was the guy who wrote hit songs. And yeah, he scored a couple of hits with The Weeknd, but I think, you know, recently he's lost his shine of it. I think he can just be a little bit more choosy as well. He doesn't have to work as hard. 
if he doesn't want to. And choosy as in Coldplay and BST, BTS, <laughs> whatever that was. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Is it a coincidence that that shine faded when he started to work with Coldplay? I don't know. <laughs> but you know, it, it was a mutually beneficial experience for everybody. He was a hot producer, and he got to work with people who were at the peak of their careers as well as mm-hmm. get some off the off the floor. All parties can afford to be selective now. Yeah. I'm glad the newer generations don't seem to be tied to the charts like we were. How many Saturdays did you spend listening to Casey Kasem on the radio? I remember rooting for songs to move up the charts. No, but you're right, because that was our half our weekend was paying attention to what was going to happen on Casey Kasem on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, because you talk to your friends about music. Yeah, but kids like yours, Harry and Mercedes, who joined us on the 2019 episode, and more, in my opinion that I've witnessed are turning away from it. They're not all buying into it. I told you about the kid at work who's playing the 1981 playlist over and over again. I I realized that pop remains pop and it's still going to outsell everything because that's just what it's supposed to do. But I think we've seen it rejected by a larger crowd of people in the past three to five years, kind of the way we did in the 90s. There weren't enough of us who loved Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains to keep Boys to Men and Criss Cross from taking the top of the charts. And when you look at the top of the charts from 1992, I sent you a photo of what was there. Yeah. yeah. I think I think there was Red Hot Chili Peppers Under the Bridge and maybe a Metallica song. Or no, uh, November Rain by Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. That may have been the only two rock songs. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if you'll find the rock songs on, on the top 10 now because they have their own list yeah yep exactly yeah and i think all of it this whole conversation that we're having it highlights how pure influence works we also didn't have chart or airplay segregation like there is today and that's not just radio's fault either if you make a playlist on spotify pandora wherever even youtube they'll make suggestions based on what you listen to it further separates you from other genres yeah because when we were growing up i found new music going over to your place and hanging out people found new music coming over and hanging out with me or taking a ride in my car and hearing new stuff or i learned it from people who were playing music at work but that's the only way we could back then this 2010s generation didn't grow up in each other's bedrooms they were all communicating through screens with their own individualized playlists and getting algorithms sent to them off of whatever streaming service they were using. Yeah. In pop, it just, to me, it is the peacock of the industry. And it makes me wonder if the, if pop, if it's a stock market crash waiting to happen, there's, it's, (laughs) it's kind of, I know it's hollow with no foundation, or are we just seeing the next legacy artists laying a new one with this, old is new because i hear it in pop not just in rock and indie but we don't have a crystal ball to see the end result there no that's a great question and i think that's where we probably need to aim our 2023 episode at when we get to it yeah because it always makes me wonder and this shows again how i kind of age out of knowing what's popular are there new pop stars like beyonce or taylor swift I, I don't have that connection with knowing who's really hot because things just pop up on my phone or my, on my 
screen when I'm, you know, on YouTube. I don't know what's really like hot and popular. I do think we have them. I mean, there's, you've got the Harry Styles and the Sam Smiths and lots of others that probably you and I wouldn't be interested in because we're seeing image triumph over talent again. Yeah. That, and, that, and that's kind of pop, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think the charts are maybe purposely snubbing the music outside of pop. I think it's more that the machine knows how to sell this one thing and they mm-hmm. have an audience that they can rely on. And the new singers coming along, they're influenced by the Justin Bieber's of the world. The next thing you know, they have people like me not giving pop a chance. <laughs> like I said, with Image, they're starting to stay relevant by dressing funny again. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's all surface. Yeah, it's happened before and it's all getting worse. It's kind of like the uh, on Arrested Development when the Bluths built all those fake demos and they just <laughs> fall right down. But all right, I'm going to bring us back to what we've liked, though. This whole idea that a few great years of music just passed us, probably ramping up from 2017 to 2018. We did not give 2016 a good review on this show peaking in 2019-20, and then possibly beginning its slide in 21-22. Three to four years ago, I was listening to the new music playlist every single Friday when it would come out, and I found things worth checking out. But every week recently, I kid you not, it's just been shit, skip, shit, skip, shit, Uh, skip. (laughs) Yeah. I remember getting ready for 2022 and being a little disappointed because of the success that we had in like 18, 17, 19 yeah. of getting, you know, really good music. It, it was not as good as I'd hoped for, but I'm glad we got here to 2020. 2020 does feel like the latest peak for me. We found good music in 21 and 22, but it's definitely getting the feeling that it's on its descent. It could be a small dip, you know, the right bands could be in between albums or we're, you know, or we're just not finding it because there's so much damn music. All right, Matt. Well, here we are. We're at that point in the show where we need to uh, move things along. Yes, we do. And 2020 was your pick. So I guess you can start us off in year five. What is your first song? Well, I spoke about them earlier. I'm going to start with the song called I Don't Care by the band Spires. This is exactly the kind of guitar rock I talked about earlier. I already said enough about them, but I hope people go check them out. They write really great songs and they don't need to be pigeonholed into a time or decade of music. This is them writing in the wheelhouse for their age. It is very catchy, angsty at the same time. It's a really good Mm -hmm. coming of age song. All the parts. I love the way everything just kind of flows together. It's a good pop rock tune. And it, again, It's got a really good 90s feel to it. Yeah, I like it. Good stuff. All right, give me your first. I'm going to start us off with Mac Miller and Blue World. We've had the Mac Miller conversation. We've both been dismissive of his music in the past. My kids turned my opinion of him around. They filled me in on his history, his passing, and they shared, you know, face to face. They shared his music with me and pointing out specific songs or bars in the songs, actual reasons You know, not just going with what they hear on, you know, on the radio or the charts or their Spotify playlist. You found it on your own. I don't know if you gave me the side eye when I first brought him up. We eventually hit the same. (laughs) (laughs) 
we eventually hit in the same place with a new appreciation of his music. The B on Blue World, it just smacks your ears after that acapella intro. And I usually turn it up during that intro because the volume is low. And then that B comes in, boom. And it just, it just rocks my head. And I love the use of the vocal sample as an instrument mm-hmm. instead of just as a, you know, an effect here and there. The music, it's really tight and it plays well against Mac's smooth delivery. Oh, uh, yeah, this this is really good. And I don't know what else I can say. You just said it all. I'm just going to say thank you, I guess, because you maybe more so introduced me to the world of Mac Miller, probably from your kids. So thank them yeah. <laughs> for me. But I, I'm happy I've gotten to know more about what he brought to the world. And this is a, a huge lesson to me in prejudging something before I go and listen to it, because his stuff, any song that you would say, Hey, go check this Mac Miller song out. I'm going to go do that. So good stuff. All right. What is your next song? My next song is going to be a song by Hermitage Green called my love. I don't really have a lot to say about this. It's just a pretty little love song. It's an ode to the one that knows him better than anyone else. And I love the simplicity of it. It's not a deep song. Its meaning is pretty straightforward. And the little that happens in the song, it just lifts the entire song with an exclamation of happiness. It's kind of like skipping or jumping up and clicking your heels. Yeah, I was sure I knew this song. And then that, that when I hit, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, I love this song. Yeah, that's just a great moment. (laughs) Yeah, and I... I like love songs that are happy. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't always have to be so heavy, but uh, thanks for bringing this song back to me. This is a really great song. All right, there we go. So what's your number two? All right. My second song is going to be juice world. And the song is wishing. Well, this is a gloriously dark song and you know, I like dark songs, um, but this is on a whole different level of darkness. This sounds like an inner monologue where he's being brutally honest with himself. Mm-hmm. You know how some songs will have, you know, a great line or two. Not this song. Every word in this song hits hard. You just take the verse ring, ring, phone call from depression. You, you used my past and my memories as a weapon. On the other line, I talked to addiction. Speaking of the devil, all the drugs, I miss them. I mean, you just go, oh boy, this guy's really opening up. Mm-hmm. But then he pulls back a little bit, like you do, kind of like, oh, I'm just joking when he sings. This is the part where I tell you, I'm fine, but I'm lying. I just don't want you to worry. This is the part where I take all my feelings and hide them because I don't want nobody to hurt me. Even if you're not suffering from addiction or depression, like he was, I think that is something everybody can connect with. Yeah, but it's not just the lyrics. His delivery on it is amazing. Um, and it was released posthumously, which makes it kind of hit harder. He passed away in 2019. And when you listen to this song with knowing when and how he passed, it sounds like he was predicting his own future. And just one more line that uh, kind of always stuck with me is, if it wasn't for the pills, I wouldn't be here. It makes me wonder if he thinks he's successful because he was taking the pills, mm-hmm. but then he follows it up with, but if I keep taking these pills, I won't be here. So he knows the, 
he knows the destructive path that he's on. Uh, we've, we've talked about Mac Miller and, you know, here's another lost soul. And when I talk about old is new, it's not to revive the 27 or the 20 something club, you know, his voice is it's so smooth and lovely. And I definitely know why you've talked about him on the show before and why you, you keep bringing his stuff to the playlist, because it, I hope people will go out and listen to and honor his music. It's great. Thank you. So what is your third song? My third song? Well, we're coming right here to Scotland and it is going to be the Scottish superstar, Jerry Cinnamon. <laughs> and the, the song is Sun Queen. It, this really is Scottish music at its best. Jerry Cinnamon started out busking in the streets, but just last year he played consecutive sold out dates at Hamden Park, which has the capacity of 50,000 people. The song Sun Queen, it's such a great summer song. It's the kind of song you want to be driving to with the windows open or the top down and singing along from an album that you can play from beginning to end in the backyard while you're barbecuing and drinking beers. This song to me is as smooth as an afternoon sunset. Oh yeah. This and the Hermitage Green song, you brought a couple gems to the five this week. This is exactly the kind of song I want to sing my head off to my love and sun queen. Uh, I kind of want to bunch them together because I love them so much. Um, it brought me back to the time when I was finding all the, the indie artists that I was you've opened up to a little bit uh you i don't know if you need it as much as i do but a song like sun queen when it comes up on a playlist it takes me to a different place and it makes me kind of want to stay there for a while yeah i'm glad you like it and i hope one day he's able to break out of scotland because of how popular he is here he's already in his mid to late 30s so i don't really know commercially how far he would get in the states at this point but that whole aspect of visualizing being someplace back in the day or being taken to a spot that's kind of melancholy, but happy at the same time. It's what Tom Petty did. Yeah. And, and I think it kind of has that feel to it. So I'm, I'm happy to bring that to the show, Jerry Cinnamon. All right. What is your next pick? Hey, everyone. I'm bringing a Taylor Swift song to my top five. <laughs> 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 but it's Taylor Swift and Boney Bear. The song is Exile. You may not recognize his voice because it's not the falsetto he's probably more well known for. But it's, it's so it's story time. One of the producers attached to it is Aaron Dessner. He's in another indie band that I liked back in the day called The National. But he's also in a band called Big Red Machine, which is another side project of Justin Vernon from Bon Iver. I know most of you probably don't give a shit, but these are the kind of details that I like learning about music because it helped me change my way of thinking about Taylor Swift's music. It showed me that she was trying to break out of the box that she was in and mm -hmm. growing as an artist the way she wanted to. And Exile brings me back to the kind of duets that we would hear growing up on Casey's top 40. You know, <laughs> most collaborations, you know, over the last 10 years or 20 years, it's like a singer and then a rapper. And then we're going to sing and we're going to rap. And that's really old. Um, it, but it's another heavy song that I really like. Yeah, I agree with you about Bonnie Bear's voice. And I'm really glad he did this because by not singing falsetto, it drew my attention 
because it wasn't what I expected. And I, I think this was a good choice because the song feels more honest. The falsetto voice is nice, but let's be honest, it's a put on voice when he yeah. does that, it, you know, and I'm not knocking it. It's just intentional for the same reason his voice is in the speaking tone here to inflect real emotion. Yeah, Matt, sure. It's a Taylor Swift song, but in 2020, I think she surprised the world with her growth and maturity and also made her fan base well served by releasing these surprise albums on people. It was absolute brilliance on her part. I agree. All right, Jim, where are you going to take us for your fourth song? My fourth song, well, it doesn't get much more 90s alternative slacker rock than Soccer Mommy and the song Circle the Drain. But we owe this to Sandy. He brought this to us one night. He was like, I kind of like this. Our friend who, yeah. <laughs> and I want to thank him for sharing it with us. It came from way out of left field, but it was like he knew what I needed to hear. It doesn't necessarily have a commercial sound, and it doesn't contain the massive hooks of that kind of guitar rock music I've been talking about all night long. But the whole damn thing works, and it sounds great. I'd stand in a bar and nod my head up and down to cheap beers all night listening to them. 2020 certainly has been a time machine. It sounds like people were influenced by their parents' record collections. Mm -hmm. Circle the Drain is a great example of a song that could have had success in another decade, but it still sounds modern. I'm glad you like it. It's good stuff. And once again, thank you, Sandy. You've got a song on the playlist unexpectedly. <laughs> All right, Matt, I you know, I've kind of seen it in play already. Your next pick is here, but I'm now going to forever name this Matt's mystery pick of the week <laughs> because I generally get to hear this song the day or a couple of hours before we go on and do this show to record. Yeah. Sometimes it's an honest, Oh shit. I forgot. But a lot of times, I don't know if it's a fear of commitment and I just, <laughs> and I don't want to leave something off, but yeah, my mystery pick for the week, Wolf Peck, test drive. There was a lot of groups vying for the slot, but the others have better songs in different years. And I kept coming back to test drive for that funk groove. I've tried Volpec on for I've tried Volpec on for size before, but I think I finally got it. Yeah, I don't know why, but I wasn't expecting an instrumental this week. There's an abundance of good songs with lyrics from 2020, but I'm not going to deny that it's a good song and I know you are a lone wolf. You like to stand out from the pack. I really liked it. It felt like you know, it should be a theme song to something. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I think people would definitely be interested when this comes up on the playlist. They will, they're going to look down and be like, what's this going on? <laughs> and, but not in a bad way. I listened to some more of the album out of curiosity, and there's a great cover of the Beatles something. And there's also this song called Radio Shack that made me giggle <laughs> because it sounds like it was recorded using the cheap keyboards that Radio Shack used to sell. Yeah, it had like an 8-bit sound to it. Uh-huh, yeah. It, it was very endearing. This week, I listened to a lot of their back catalog, and now I know they have guest vocalists on from time to time. It's not just instrumentals, and it's the right balance for me. The first time I listened to it, I kept waiting and hoping for some vocals on Test Drive, but I got so into that bass groove and the guitar riff that I ended up being very happy there weren't any. The tones they chose for all of the instruments ended up being the vocals in a way. 
mm-hmm. if that makes sense, especially yeah. the guitars. And I usually find Beatles covers to be a complete and total waste of time. I understand people want to re- reimagine songs, but you can't mess too much with legendary songs like mm-hmm. the Beatles. But their version of something is as close to a perfect cover of a Beatles song as you can get. It holds mostly true to the original, but the drums on this make this a great cover. Yeah. No, they do. Yeah. Okay, Jim, how are you going to finish up your fantabulous list of five songs? (laughs) Probably by not (laughs) impressing you because Matt, I am going pop. It's very rare that I go this extreme pop on the show, but I got to do it because there was a lot of great music coming out in 2020 pop included. This is Dua Lipa and the song love again. The entire future nostalgia album released in 2020 is full of great pop songs. I love the feel of the album from beginning to end. And that's a rarity from pop music today. You just talked about people pulling out their old CDs. You know, they're, you just talked about people pulling out their parents' old CDs and starting to make albums. And this is exactly what she did to produce this. One of the big influences from the 90s was Jamiroquai. And you can certainly hear it when you listen to the album. It doesn't feel like it was intended to sell singles, but it was still an album that was packed with hit after hit. And this song was my favorite. One of the things I like about pop music is when you can take a four chord song and bang on it for four minutes, but use all the correct dynamics to keep the song from getting boring. This is what the best pop music does. And I think we've seen artists rise to the occasion around these years, like, like Billie Eilish, do is going to have an influence on the pop world for years to come. There's a great episode on the Netflix documentary show called Song Exploder that features the crafting of this song. And it's really interesting to watch. People like to put down pop stars for not writing their own material when, in fact, many of them are crafting their song in the studio the way many bands work by bouncing the ideas off one another. In this documentary, her team was a lot of fun to watch, work along with her crafting the song. Damn you. Damn you, damn you for making me listen to Dua Lipa. <laughs> Are you cleansing yourself of all the indie? <laughs> Does it get it all out of your system? Yes, I, I feel much better now. <laughs> well, I'm glad for you. No surprise, this isn't my sound, but I do like the disco feel in the background, all the strings and the drum beat. But here we go. Even pop is borrowing from older eras to create new songs. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, Matt, I wasn't trying to hurt your feelings this week by sending you down the <laughs> pop music road. <laughs> and hopefully I didn't hurt yours with my uh, my harsh, wow, they were harsh words. No, that's fine. You know, I, I came around to your music and eventually you'll come around to mine. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think you were expecting a glowing review. No, I wasn't. And and I'm, I'm sure that the audience will agree with me that Dua Lipa is amazing. And that's all that matters. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm just, we'll I'm just, yeah, <laughs> I know. Anyway, what, what's your fifth song? Let's get this over with. Yeah, I'm going to go with Pottery and the song is Texas Drums, part one. Oh, yeah. I really liked this album when I first heard it. And I got away from it because there was so much to get through in the whole week. And I wanted to give it a rest and kind of recalibrate my opinion after a few days of not hearing it. Mm-hmm. But damn, I couldn't stay away from it. This set the bar <laughs> for everything else I listened to. First off, yes. Again, we get back to the talking heads vibe, but not like kooky talking heads the way they can be. 
Um, you sent me a live clip and I love that too. They reminded me of the punk band 100 Flowers. It was a completely different vibe than what I was getting off the album. And White Denim does that for me too. There's a really big difference live in, in what studio gives me. And I do hear a little bit of White Denim tucked in there too, stylistically. I also get King Gizzard vibes on some of the songs with the guitar sounds and the chord changes. I had to order the vinyl this week. I fell in love <laughs> with this album. I can't wait to get it. Um, I haven't been as high on a band like this since I found White Denim. This song stood out because it sounds like it would be very fun to participate in a concert with and chant along. It, it would just be so much fun. It's a great show close. It would be a great show closer. And it's got a really good groove. And if you listen to part one and two together, it takes you on quite the journey. Yeah. This whole album, it's great. To be honest, I was slightly uncertain at first, but so often the best albums are like that. Bit of Talking Heads, Beatles, amazing drumming at times, a, a chic feel through to a Zappa attitude on occasion. And this song's a highlight. It's really amazing how many different things you can pick out from this album. Welcome to Bobby's Motel. And just so you know, what I just said was actually a review on Amazon for the vinyl, but it said oh, it so really? perfectly that I cut and paste it <laughs> into what I was going to read to you tonight. It was, <laughs> I, I read that on Amazon and I was like, that's exactly what I want to say. Yeah. I, I went and looked for it on vinyl too, and I'm going to get it. It's, it's such a good album. Oh, it's yeah. so fucking good. The golden nugget this week was this. So thank you for that. Yeah. Very unexpected too. Especially right, when you look at the album cover. <laughs> yeah. You, you look at it, you wonder what you're getting yourself into. You, you have no clue. Even after you hear the first song, the first song you have to get through. To it's an intro. Of, it is. It is. But if you're looking for a, a pop rock song right off the bat or something like that, that's not what you're going to get. You're no. going to get a minute, minute and a half of kind of a build up noise. And then it goes into music. And once you're through that intro, it's yeah. Amazing. You're rewarded with a really good album. Yeah, you are. All right, so let's talk about our audience picks. They had five songs also this week that they're going to put on the playlist. This has been a long show, so let's get it over with. <laughs> yeah. Matt, I'll let you announce the very first one. All right, the first one is Taylor Swift and Cardigan. Yeah, there you go. Another Taylor Swift song, so that was well like that year. The next song was Lizzo's Good As Hell. And before we go any further, I have to say, I saw this on the internet at one point and I can't go without ever hearing it again. Somebody actually had Beaker from the Muppets singing it in the <laughs> part. And it's about damn time. But anyway, what's next? <laughs> next up is Harry Styles and Watermelon Sugar. There we go. Right, and then yeah. after that, we've got the audience choosing another Dua Lipa song, Matt. Thank you, everyone. Don't start now. Go check it out. It's got a great <laughs> disco bass riff to it you'll like it you will no you, you you actually might like the music behind it so go check it out please okay i will not no you won't so <laughs> i'll wrap up the facebook poll with halsey and you should be sad yeah i have no clue who she is me me either but i listened to it it's not yeah it, it's it was all right yeah, yeah it was it was good i i know she's very famous and well-liked by people, and obviously she made the playlist this week, so 
Yeah. And I listened to it about a half hour before we started doing this. <laughs> so I have to have more listens to get an honest reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. All right. Well, that is us wrapping up. Where are we going after 2020? All right. So from 2020, we're going to go the unlucky number 13 from to the past for 2007. All right. We'll see if we can get Jim to lighten up on indie music now. I might be a little more open to it. <laughs> yeah, you might, or you might not. There's still going to be some sounds that will, that you'll have a challenge with. I think I'll see what I can put you through. Yeah. <laughs> you already put me through Diva Olympia. Uh, that was not the worst I've put you through. You know, <laughs> no, that. it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, there's, there's some, some music in 2007 that I'm sure we'll both look forward to. And, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you bring to the show. I think you brought the metal show to us last week. So I'll close this week up. Yes. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to the Jam Yearbook once again. It's been a good time. Matt and I, you know, we, we have a, had a lot of epiphanies this week about music and some agreements and some disagreements <laughs> about what we like, but that's going to happen every single week. We thank everybody for tuning in, for voting on the Facebook group page, and we look forward to bringing the show to you next time. Matt, you can say your goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everyone. So long, farewell, and thank you very much for everything you've done for us. Here we go. Peace, love, and podcast. Yeah.